everyone. I'm Reverend Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Now let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are, and let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together can be just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled The Harm Caused by Redemption. This podcast is inspired by my blog by the same name, which is now available at numasoul.com. Now, I wrote a little bit of a foreword. This really wrote like and reads like a sermon. And I don't know how much I'll be ad-libbing here, but and, and I didn't add a lot of extra notes when I prepared for this podcast because it almost feels complete. And that's kind of rare for me, but let's just see how it goes. But at the beginning of this blog, I wrote a foreword and I call it, I wanted to share a little bit about my writing process. I often awaken in the middle of the night, usually around 2 a.m. And I call that my goddess hour, somewhere between 2 and 5 a.m. And this is where some of my most powerful writings happen. And a lot of times I have no idea what I'm going to write about. I just wake up and like, oh, okay, there it is. I know what I'm writing about. Well, I thought I, I need to get caught up on some blogs and I heard the word redemption. A little triggering, like, what am I going to do with this? Because a lot of times I talk about expanding your spirituality, but I haven't gotten that specific about things. And I thought redemption, I just thought I long ago had it rejected that Christian theological teaching of the redemption and atonement theology. So why is it here? Well, I hope what I wrote here helps you. I hope it helps return this concept of redemption to you in a way that frees you from the power of the patriarchy in which it may have been taught to you and gives it to you in a way that can help enrich your spiritual journey. So let's let's get started here. So I start by offering you a verse to an old time gospel that said, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had caused a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. Now, Christian theology oftentimes really does hyper-focus on the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb, uh, as a human sacrifice to remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus that's inside the redemption theology. So redemption is defined as, quote, an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or a mistake, or the action of regaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt, in quotes. So I started there like, all right, let's just get a gen general description of what redemption means. Now here it is Christian centric. The definition is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Okay. As they say in the social media world, let's get into it. So this theology was drilled into us as children. Okay, Jesus died on the cross to save us, whether we wanted it or not. That's just for the entirety of the world. Thank you, world. Through no act of our own, God saved the world through the sacrifice of Jesus's life. Jesus's blood was shed for all of the world. So you, you're welcome, you ungrateful little brat of a spoiled world. You think you'd be more grateful for, than that. You think you'd be more grateful to, to the Christian teaching than what you are because God sacrificed his only son for for saving the world because we were all born sinners right because as the christian sees that the entirety of creation owes an immense debt of gratitude to jesus who suffered and died on the cross because without it we were born sinners and sinners we'd always be so in order for us to prove we are grateful christians then are taught to practice atonement that is called that's where you get atonement theology this is where we confess that we are sinners 
So how many of us have had those? Thank you, God, for delivering me from my sin. I was born into sin. Thank you, God, for a sinner such as I, that you sacrificed, that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for that. So for he died suffering inside, dying on the cross for lowly sinners such as we. So in this context, redemption is received even though we didn't ask for it. So atonement then is offered to prove that we are worthy of that which we didn't ask for, or at least we're grateful. We're grateful for it, okay? So ask anyone who begins to struggle with this concept that, okay, somehow this loving God, we're supposed to be this this loving all loving God, all knowing God is somehow to be reconciled with a God who would willingly inflict horrible violence on someone because he quote, loved the world. And that world was deserving of death. If Jesus hadn't been sent to die and wow, he had already annihilated the world once and how much he loved us to kill his son. I mean, it just, it goes on and on in your brain and it literally can just get stuck there until finally someone says, well, don't question God. Our ways are not God's ways, and you just need to get on with your Christian life and do the best you can. Well, here's how Reverend Dr. Jeffrey France, who was writing in Progressive Christianity, put it. He said, quote, it would be hard to measure the hurtful guilt and pain this teaching has caused God-fearing Christians over the years, end quote. Putting it plainly, it can mess with your head. And the reason it messes with your head is because we then are taught that even when we didn't ask for something, we are to be grateful. It shows up in our family life as well. Again, asking you again to look at these patriarchal indoctrinations. When you say we're supposed to be grateful for an abusive father because they provide a roof over our heads. Ouch. So it gets translated into patriarchy that perpetuates a possible abusive cycle. Not for everyone. Some people had loving fathers, but some did not. And a lot of times it was in that Christian centric thinking that said, I am redeeming you because you were born here. I'm giving you these things. I'm giving you a roof over your head. I'm giving you food. I'm giving you medical care. I can be whoever I want. And you should be grateful to me because I'm providing these things for you. Reverend France went on to explain that atonement theology, the belief that we are sinners who need the sacrifice of Jesus in order to be redeemed, this tradition arose out of the Jewish celebration of Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. So let's pause here for a minute and think about this. There is a pattern inside Christianity where there was an appropriation of holiday gatherings and seasonal celebrations. And that was intentional because you had to blur the lines between established teachings and rituals and atonement theology was one of them. It came later on in the Christian teachings around the fourth century because we needed to tie the Christian movement that was being written in the New Testament into the Christian Bible's Old Testament. So the way they did that was through a rewrite of or a reinterpretation of scripture through Genesis. And that original sin began with Eve and the apple. And of course, we're going to blame it on a woman, right? So as a metaphor, the story of Adam and Eve describes the entirety of humanity awakening to the concept of good and evil. That's the myth mythical story behind the creation story. However, when you read it literally, the Christian teaching says that the patriarchal structure says that we have been born into this sin and we are to be grateful that we had this redemption story through Jesus or we would all be original sinners because Eve offered Adam the apple. So none of this is necessary, and it can be argued effectively that it isn't even scriptural. France goes on to write, the Bible never refers to Adam's disobedience as the fall of man. Again, that's just a story. It is not 
history. So why are we here in the 21st century? Why do we have redemption? How did it become so entrenched into modern evangelical Christianity theology that even Christian contemporary artists rock out to songs uh, about redemption? And here's a quote to want. This is a, a song called Song of Redemption. And here's the lyrics. A song of redemption came forth on the cross. You said it is finished. It's written in blood. You gave us a new name. We're daughters and sons. Now we are raising this song to respond. Okay. Once again, Christians are obsessed with blood. And again, this will mess with your mind. And if you look at the Passion of the Christ, the movie, the Mel Gibson movie, which was hyper-focused on the Jews killing Jesus, which they did not, the Romans did, it again messes with your mind about the sacrifice that Jesus came to for our sins. All right. Christians who believe in redemption demand that it is so integral to faith that without it, you cannot call yourself a Christian. Again, duality, either or. They double down with this notion that you either believe it or you get kicked out of the real Christian club. In other words, a lot of us got kicked out or were grateful for it or willingly left because once you're freed from this belief that someone had to suffer an unimaginable tragic death by crucifixion so you could be covered in blood of that sacrifice, it is indeed liberating. And being freed from believing that I am to express my gratitude for that sacrifice by continually lamenting my innate despicable propensity to sin. So in other words, I've been, re I've been freed from that because, you know, by nature, that's just what I am as a horrible, despicable human who is just going to continually to sin. Once you've been released from that, it's life-changing. And just so we're clear, you know, I talk about this real Christian club. There is not one specific denomination that has the authority to gatekeep Christianity. And I'm also speaking from a place of this is about accountability. You can still find elements of Christianity, Christian teachings, Christian-centric teachings that can inspire you. They don't have to be weaponized this way. They don't have to hold this this hammer over your head that says, believe this, or you are just a despicable human. And these are the th kinds of things when we start to deconstruct that we need to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I still reconcile these things that were good? Well, sometimes you have to do the hard work of really letting go of the things that weren't. So many of us, we, we left here because we no longer wanted these teachings to, to be weaponized against us because we were taught that Jesus died, we should be grateful for it, and we should repeatedly express gratitude for his sacrifice, like over and over and over again. And it's also why Christians will say, well, I'll pray for you because Jesus died for you, and continue to take their faith and suffocate you with it because they feel like that's that's part of their the proselytizing that they feel that they should be giving the world. And it comes again from that, that deep indoctrinated belief that the redemption story is for the entirety of the human experience. And they then have the right to tell you that they're going to pray for you because Jesus died for you. And it's never ceasing. So we get it. We do, we do get it, but it doesn't mean that the rest of us have to believe it. But it also doesn't mean that you can't find elements that you can be inspired for your spiritual journey. Okay. So getting this means that we're no longer going to be subjected to this suffocating ideology. You be you, if, that's if that helps you on your spiritual journey, believe what you want. But for me, it no longer makes sense. You can't tell me that the Bible teaches eternal gratitude for a blood sacrifice in the form of a human death by torture, while also teaching me that I should give without expecting anything in return. 
So Google that because there are all kinds of article. This is where another mind, the mind game happens in some of the teachings. If you Google something like uh, verses about helping without recognition, you're going to get all Christian centric articles about 21 verses about helping others without recognition. Okay. This is an article, 21 verses about helping others without recognition. That's redemption. The Bible is filled with verses that teach us that we give from a place of not expecting anything in return. So if I pay a debt for someone or I donate something by offering them money, then I am offering them redemption. And in that context, I should be expecting nothing in return. It's not even mine to expect gratitude. But if you circle back to the rise of Christianity in the third and fourth century, when Christianity was officially declared the religion of the Roman Empire, this redemption and atonement theology would have served this strong patriarchal structure because redemption was offered and you better be grateful because I have the power to take your life if you're not. So even though the Bible teaches redemption without acknowledgement, the Christian-centric teaching said, I have to acknowledge it. Because it's going to not only keep me bound to this theology, it's going to keep me bound to the perpetuation of the institution of Christianity. Now, not all churches teach this redemption atonement theology. So again, this isn't all Christianity, but a lot of them do. But basically what they were saying back then in the fourth century is be grateful to the emperor for all the good that is bestowed upon you as citizens of Rome. And religion was used to reinforce that. It's inarguable that as Christianity spread, Christian theology became a weapon of the powerful, and the powerful were hell-bent on protecting the patriarchy. Now, as I was writing this, I do a lot of research on articles, and I looked up modern-day definitions for words. And redemption had a second description that belongs in this story, and I'm going to tell you what it is. It says, quote, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing of a debt, end quote. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Now, interestingly, underneath that definition was this example of redemption used in this context. Are you ready? This was the example of how they used it. Quote, the peasants found the terms of redemption unattractive. End quote. The peasants found the terms of redemption unattractive. The peasants. So in other words, Someone who had power, they're, they're using this definition, they're using this, this example of peasants who would be low on the class system with no power, but as a group, as a group, they had power. If they came up as a collective and said, no, we're not dealing with this kind of redemption mentality that says the terms of redemption, which allows me to be relieved of my debt in exchange for something else was not something they were willing to give. All of a sudden, the peasants had power and they were expressing their displeasure to the powerful who said, well, I'll give you this in exchange for this. In a way, that's exactly what atonement theology does. It perpetually keeps you in a cycle of saying that you are eternally grateful, but also eternally bound eternally committed, it eternally anchored to this burden of sin that you can never get away from. Now, the example says the peasant said, yeah, I'm not doing that redemption. And I think a lot of people who are leaving church are saying the exact same thing. 
I'm rejecting atonement theology because I'm searching for the meaning of who or what God is, but it is not through something that offers some kind of conditions about my soul and conditions about how I'm going to show up in the world. That doesn't feel right anymore. Even Webster seems to know that redemption has a dark and powerful underside that forces compliance when it isn't welcome and gratitude when it isn't deserved. Compliance and gratitude are earned when the relationship between two people is mutually beneficial, not one forced on the other. Now, I started this writing with a somewhat of a foreword, and I ended it with an epilogue. And I said, I had no idea what I was going to write when I started this at 2 a.m. And I, it took me about an hour and a half to write it. But I, here's what I wrote. I owe nothing to a theology that teaches that a human sacrifice was needed for me because I arrived here full of sin. Redemption that demands forced gratitude is not redemption. It is patriarchy. Gratitude is freely given when love and compassion are freely offered. Love and compassion come with no expectation of recognition, making redemption an act of service, not a weapon of oppression. It's now 3.30 and I've been liberated from redemption. Blessed be. Thank you for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev. Carla. Check out my Patreon to access unique opportunities, including bonus content, live Q&A sessions, and support from a community of spiritual, not religious souls, just like yourself. Coming soon, we'll be expanding and adding additional tiers to create a spiritual community like no other. You can always connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and on our websites at revcarla.com and numasoul.com. Okay, beautiful souls, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray that you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go in and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I'll see you soon.